Welcome to episode 563 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And I just want to allay anyone's concerns that maybe I fell off the face of the earth or something. I have not. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been away for a while. It wasn't just you who was away. I, I, I caused us to, to miss last week. So yeah, it's definitely not just you. But it does feel like it's been forever. So it's really good to hang out with you again, Richard, and really good to hang out uh, with anybody who is going to join us for the live show tonight, because we do record this live on Twitch when, you know, when we actually do a show. <laughs> so typically Tuesday <laughs> nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. If you don't want to be here for the live show, you can send us feedback via email, though. And we got a message from Rob W. I don't think he used to put his last initial on there. But, you know, now that we get so many messages from good friend of the show, Rob H., I think he started putting the W on there. So uh, he sent that to our email address, which is entertainment20 at the digital media zone.com. Okay. So Rob says, just wanted to share with you a benefit. I found out as a Verizon and Disney plus customer, everyone in my household was on Verizon's cheapest unlimited data phone plan, which is called start unlimited. And it's 30 bucks per line per month. A recent multiple day internet outage led to my wife needing to tether her laptop to her cell phone to get some work done. Tethering, of course, is not included in their lowest tier plan. What I didn't know is that each individual line can be on a different plan. So I was able to switch just her line to the next tier up plan, which is called Play More Unlimited, which is $40 a month. The kicker is that the Play More Unlimited plan comes with a Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus bundle included, which we were already paying for separately. And this isn't like a six-month-on-us deal either. It is a perpetual deal as long as you have the plan active. So I increased my Verizon bill by $10 a month, but decreased my Disney Plus bundle package by $13.99 a month. Maybe everyone was already aware of this, but it just saved me $4 a month, which I promptly put towards upgrading to Hulu with no ads. So I guess I'm actually spending $2 more per month overall, but the no ads on Hulu and the upgraded phone line was definitely worth the extra couple of dollars. I know it's not much, but when I'm paying monthly subscriptions to Xbox, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Disney Plus, Stars, Uverse, which includes HBO Max, etc., any little win makes me feel good. Thanks, guys, and love the show. Rob, great tip. Great tip. Yeah. 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 I, I love this. Yeah. I'm a Verizon customer and didn't know that that was a thing, but I'm not on any of their unlimited plans. Yep. You know, a lot of the providers are starting to come up with clever ways of bundling services in. Uh, Tony in the chat is reminding us about the recent deal from T-Mobile where you get Apple TV Plus for free now. And I think I've mentioned in the past that I get HBO Max for free with my AT&T plan that I have. I don't remember which one it is. It's, you know, one of the unlimiteds, which in and of itself saying that is ridiculous. But <laughs> yeah, and it, this is great. 
I think T-Mobile gives you Netflix for free too. Or maybe that's an old really? promotion. Maybe that's oh, not still around. Couldn't well, tell you about that. Maybe to say that it's for free is not entirely accurate. More like they give you Netflix for the low, low cost of giving up all of your personal data. T-Mobile. Oh, oh, right. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you ought to get something free out of that. Right. Other than credit yet another free year of credit monitoring, which all of us are probably eligible for for life now. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right. Well, thank you to Rob W for that message. And hopefully someone else can take advantage of that free Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus bundle. And really now is the time of year to do that because TV shows are coming back on, you know, college football and other sports are, are coming back on to TV. So all sorts of good stuff to watch on those streaming services. Okay. So let's jump into the news tonight. And our first story, maybe not super surprising, from Plex. So (laughs) Plex has rolled out a new user interface for some devices. One of the problems with having your app on basically every platform under the sun means that you probably can't easily release new major updates on all of them at the same time. So they started with some popular ones like Roku and Apple TV, and it's now also on Android TV. So Richard, you are our big user interface guy. You have very strong opinions about interfaces. I only got to play with this interface for about 30 seconds tonight because when I went to use Plex a few nights ago, I didn't have it on my Android TV yet. So they're calling this their modern layout. You use Plex all the time on your Apple TV. What do you think of this new layout? So, A, I suppose it needed a name. Modern's as good as any other. It doesn't, for example, like hearken to modern design or anything like that that we were used to from the Microsoft world a while back. It's nice. I like it a lot. It reminds me quite a bit of the old My Movies experience. It gives you a much more rich visual experience right from the get-go as you hover over tiles where you're trying to make a selection it's changing the the background colors it's changing the artwork that it has available so you you immediately get this immersive experience in whatever you're looking at feels a lot like oh Netflix or Hulu or any of these other apps that are doing this very similar sort of thing with the content that they offer, except this is your content for the most part. So that's really cool. They're using the background art and the colors from the background art as uh, you know what it, what it ends up using to influence that design. And you have some options. You can select whether you want just the colors or just the background, or if you want the whole background, or just like a, a an image up at the top right. It's nice. I, I like it a lot. I think they did a good job. My only complaint with it is that I think they need to do some caching because it feels slow. Mm. And remember, those background images, images are high-resolution images to display, in some cases, on 4K displays, right? So it's loading an image off of your server the inst- it seems the instant that you hover over it. So it takes a while for it to show up. It's not instantaneous. It'd be nice 
if they could do some smart caching to figure out, all right, well, let's start pre-caching the tiles in the immediate deep ad vicinity of the tile you're on right now so that they could make that seem a lot more fluid. Yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, those those images are large. So if they've got to be downloading them from the internet, that would be uh, e- even slower uh, because this does work on the the free streaming media that they offer. This this isn't just for uh, your your local library. If if you want to open up the Plex movies and TV to to watch one of their ad supported shows or movies. You get the same sort of interface. So mm, good point. I hadn't even thought about that. I was just talking about stuff I'm doing locally on my local network, mm-hmm. and it's all wired. So, you know, I I know I have those images in my library. I I they'll optimize this over time. You know, this experience has just been getting better and better. I like also that I don't know if this is new or if it was there before, but very much like TweetDeck. If you use that and uh, some other interfaces where we're starting to see just big icons over on the left-hand side in the collapsed menu. We had that in Windows for a while in modern apps where you had like this bar of the different icons for the different content that was available to you. And you can quickly go over to that. That's your visual indicator that, oh, there's my menu of options. So it's right. nice. Right. Yeah. And and I, I don't think we touched on every little detail there, but when you are hovering from like movie poster to movie poster, it, it's not just the the pretty colors and, and artwork in the background. It is also giving you some extra information. So you get like a summary of the movie and things like that, but you also get other important things like parental ratings and, you know, so, some of the, the key actors and actresses in the show and things like that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. And I think I'm, I'm with you on that. Once they, kind of figure out some of that caching to make those images load so that it feels like they're just instantaneous. Yeah, that'll be that'll be really nice. It it's yeah. it's really nice looking. Okay. So we you and I are are big fans of our Logitech Harmony remotes. We've talked in the past about how Logitech is no longer making remotes. We got a new option here. We we figured this would happen eventually. <laughs> this is a Kickstarter. I Feel like I should start by that because we don't often talk about Kickstarters around here because a lot of times they don't even happen or they take forever. Who knows? Right. So, so the right way of saying it is we may have a new option. There you go. Sure. <laughs> and it's it's future imperfect. There you go. I, I like it. So yeah. So this new device also has an absolutely amazing name. Maybe, maybe not. It's called the Sofa Baton X1. <laughs> They're calling it the most versatile, universal, all-in-one smart remote. And that might be a fair claim. They're saying that it's mm-hmm. compatible with over 500,000 devices. So TVs, Blu-ray players, game consoles, AV receivers, all that sort of stuff. It does make me wonder if they're somehow licensing that data from Logitech, like we've talked about in the past, but we don't know for sure. It does support IR and Bluetooth and actually Wi-Fi also because similar to some of the Logitech remotes, this is a normal looking remote, but it also has a hub that connects to Wi-Fi. And that hub is also basically the IR and Bluetooth blaster. The remote has a two inch display on it, but it is not a touchscreen. Instead, 
it's got like a little jog dial below it. Like it reminds me of a Blackberry. <laughs> it's got this little wheel beneath the screen that just cycles through all of the, the options on the screen. It's, it, you know, actually it kind of reminds me of the really old, uh, iPod interfaces, except instead of having a wheel that you like spin in a, in a, circle across the surface this is getting really hard to describe on a podcast yeah it's it's funny that i think of an old i don't even remember the name of it but an old microsoft remote control that had a screen on it and kind of a a, not so much a, a wheel but a barrel that you could roll underneath that to select items on the screen and i think this is going to work very similarly it looks like they they'll have a list of linear options and you're basically scrolling up and down the list to select the option that you want in the menu. It seems a little bit absurd. It it I have a hard time believing that it's somehow economically more beneficial to incorporate a physical mechanical selection device on this remote as opposed to just a touchscreen which you can literally buy on an Android Android phone with all the phone guts for $30. So I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. I don't get that part of it. Hmm. Yeah. Because it's not like you're really getting any, any sort of actual, like you, you can't use that tactile feedback probably to, to be able to use it without looking at it. Like that would be the one benefit to a physical wheel, right? Just right. like we, we want physical buttons so that we don't have to actually look at the remote. But I don't think this solves that problem for the different uh, activities and different selections you would get on that screen. And I like I struggle just as I was typing up the notes and as I'm talking about it to not just automatically say touch screen because everything is a touch screen, but this isn't. Right. Right. It's a little weird. Yep. So uh, it also has a built-in rechargeable battery. This battery says it lasts about two months. I don't think that's long enough. I really wish it was longer than that, but it does charge with USB-C. So you've probably got USB chargers laying around. Plus it comes with uh, at least one, really two, because one for the hub. It does support activities so that you can set up things. You know, if you've got a whole bunch of devices in there, you can set up a watch TV activity and it'll turn on your TV and your AVR and your cable box and, you know, whatever else you need for that. So that's all really good. The Wireless hub, similar to the Logitech devices, allows you to use your phone as a remote control also in case, you know, you lost, like your kids lost the remote or it's just all the way on the other side of the room and you don't want to get up to go get it. Uh, and it will su- will eventually support Amazon's voice assistant and Google assistant. The price matters here. The Kickstarter, 98 bucks. The MSRP, 189. I don't think that's a bad price at all, especially the Kickstarter price. So that that's what we got here. What are you thinking about this, Richard? I mean, you you are hardcore into your remotes, and this this seems like a nice remote to me. It does. It does seem like a nice remote. I like the industrial design of the remote. I don't often say that about new remote controls. The buttons are where they should be. Home is at the top, back is at the top left, information menu is at the top right, channel and 
volume buttons are where you would expect them to be. They did all of that right. So, you know, I'm I'm eager to see what this is like. But I get back to the idea that this is a project on Kickstarter. And we've seen this before, for all intents and purposes. A company that kind of came out of nowhere created this brand new, in fact, touchscreen remote similar in size, similar in concept. It also did some smart home stuff. It also would work with the assistants and it got bought up by control four. And now everybody that bought one of these things has a device that's going to, you know, that is going to die far before their harmony remotes would. Right. So I have a hard time getting excited about a, a, a new project like this from an unknown. At least this is, is you know, this is a, a company that seems unknown to me, to us. Right. And I'm certainly not going to invest in it. There's just absolutely no way. But I'll be eager to see what people think when or if it comes out. That's the other thing. If it comes out. Now, right. the fact that they have literally 35 times the $10,000 goal they went for in pledges <laughs> already is a good sign. But as we all know, in the world of Kickstarter, that can also be a curse because they may have needed just $10,000 to, you know, get do do the initial fab work. Now they have an enormous production run that they need to be able to support. And presumably they're not going to be able to do that on the timeline that they predicted. Especially with so many global shortages in chips and, and other technology devices. So, and, and that's, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's yet another thing to consider here. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, has this company done Kickstarters before? I don't know. I didn't do enough research on it to find out if they have, but if they haven't, I mean, I remember having discussions. I wish I could remember the name of the old remote. I, I want to call it Euro, but I know that's not right. Um, I, I remember having discussions with their founders about just, how complicated designing the the boxes and the wrappings and the and all of that's because they've never done it before and they had no idea every minuscule decision that they had to plan for and deal with so so yeah, it, it, they say they've got a, a project timeline on their okay. kickstarter and yep. they they had their first prototype uh, in february Mm -hmm. uh, second prototype in April, they shipped beta units in June and supposedly shipped three to 500 devices in August. So they apparently have like, it's done and it's ready to go. And that, th that could indicate why they only asked for $10,000. Like it's really just enough to kind of prove that there's a market for it. And yeah, perhaps so all they've really got left to do, according to this timeline, is mass production. And that's not a small thing, like you said, especially nope. especially with the chip shortages. But I'm really interested in this, Richard. Like, I've never backed a Kickstarter before. I'm very much considering backing this one. Wow. Yeah. It looks like a really good remote. And especially at the current Kickstarter price. I mean, you know me. I'm kind of a cheapskate. Like, 100 bucks. For this remote, yep. 
sounds pretty awesome because it does as, sound good. As much as I love my little Harmony companion remote or whatever the heck that thing is called, I don't like the fact that I I can't use it to control individual devices. Right. Occasionally, I need to do that, and so whenever I have to do that, I have to pull out my phone and use their stupid app that's slow. And this would be nice. This would be really nice. So I might back it. We'll see. I'll let you know if I do. And then if I do, then we'll definitely be keeping a closer eye on this thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, one last story in the video world. And I don't think we've talked about this at all yet. Have we? No. Nope. Yeah. So we've, we have talked about Locast in the past. Locast is this service that was very much, is very much like in concept what Aereo was trying to do years ago which is to make broadcast television available to people who otherwise cannot get it just through their own normal antenna or or don't have an antenna and they want a more convenient way of getting it they have it available through apps they have integrated with OEMs they're actually the provider of local stations on the TiVo stream devices Locast is a really cool service. It's available in Plex. You can incorporate it in, or no, not in Plex, in channels. You can incorporate it into uh, channels as your local provider there. And what they were trying to do is get around the legal problems that Aereo had by making this a non-for-profit endeavor. So you didn't have to pay for this service. You could stream their content. And if you didn't pay for the service, then you were occasionally interrupted by, you know, their own reminder or ad to tell you, hey, please donate if you want to keep this service alive. We don't charge people for it, but your donations keep us alive. Kind of like, I don't know, telethons. Do they still do those? Anyway, that didn't seem to cut it because the broadcasters, no surprise here, didn't like what they were doing, took them to court, and the court sided with the broadcasters, saying that for basically for two things. One, that the interruption of the transmission asking for donations really invalidates their argument that they're a free service. Because if you want the service as it's available, you do in fact have to pay for it. So that that was problem one. And the fact that they were offering it without without requiring you to pay for it was really the thing that they were hoping would squeeze them under the legal ramifications. Now, the other thing was this, I think it's 4013C is the designation for the uh, not-for-profit organization status that they were hoping for, or, or that they operate under, I should say. And the judge decided that they don't qualify for that because their costs exceed the actual costs of maintaining the service, and they're using the excess that they get to expand the market. They're growing their business, this you know, this service by using any money that comes in over what the actual operations are for expanding the operations. That seems perfectly reasonable to me. And I think this is one of the things that the EFF is going to probably push back on the hardest because that just seems like bunk. I just, 
I, I don't understand. Oh, well, you know, you're, you're now profit because you're using the excess revenue you have to expand. How is that profit? That's not profit. That doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, so the EFF's not happy. They say that, you know, this is a terrible thing to be pulling services away and, uh, you know, possibly shutting this down when here we are in the midst of all this stuff going on in the world. People need access to information. And tonight, in fact, just hours before we recorded, I received an email message from Locast saying that we are going to suspend all of our ads that we inject in the content to suggest that you donate and you will no longer have to donate for this ad free experience. So you can use their service without donating. And it's the same as if you pay, but certainly hopefully if you're already paying, you're going to pay. And if you're not and you like it, donate. I pay five bucks a month for this $5, you know, big deal. This is, I think this is a great service. They've been expanding a lot. They recently expanded into the Philly and, and, um, uh, Pittsburgh areas. I think there's some other markets they hit pretty recently. I don't know if they're in your area. They're not yet. I Josh. keep looking. I keep looking. I want this because since we moved, I, I've been too lazy to get a new antenna that would be big enough to pick up yeah. service, and this yeah. would be so much easier. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it, this just the the first thing I get. The first point about the interruptions and the advertising. I get that. But I don't understand this idea that to qualify yourself as a not-for-profit, you can't actually actually reinvest the excess revenue that you have in your operations. Yeah, that, that makes no sense. Ridiculous. That's that can't that can't be a thing. Like it just can't be a thing. <laughs> it does, it, that doesn't make any sense at all. the 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 argument about displaying their own ads and interrupting what's actually on TV, that seems 100% legit. And, yep, agreed. And I think that's why Locast stopped doing it immediately. Right, because, right. okay, sure. Because, yeah, there, there's lots of reasons why that that's not cool. Like, because they're probably doing it, I assume, while the the provider would normally be playing their own ads. <laughs> right, probably. So yep. that yep. that's not cool. So that. That's good. I, I do like. I, I I hope that Locast sticks around because I, I do think it it's a great sounding service. Unfortunately, I still can't use it. I have a feeling it's going to be a while before it's available in my specific market. But it is it is a really cool idea. But if if they can't do these ads anymore, which I I agree that they probably shouldn't be doing it like that, then how many people are going to keep giving them money? Because without that reminder, then they might lose a lot of revenue. And if they lose a lot of revenue, they're not going to be able to even like forget about expanding. <laughs> they might not be able to keep the business open, but there are True. other ways of displaying those ads. Like maybe as soon as you open the app, it displays an ad that could get kind of annoying. Right. So before it streams or something like that. Yeah, but right. every if if you're not paid, then maybe before it streams, then it throws that in there or something like that, but then doesn't interrupt. Also, if you if you're watching this, you've signed up. So they have your email address. They could 
simply remind you every once in a while about, hey, this is great stuff. If you're not donating, please do. Right. And I I don't think that's unreasonable if you're getting it for free. No, I, I, I completely agree. So hopefully Lowcast finds a way to stay in business and, and in a way that doesn't annoy the crap out of their customers too much. But yeah, I, I would like to see this this keep going. And hopefully the Electronic Frontier Foundation and anybody else who's helping to fight in court for them uh, is able to find a good solution here to keep them around. Okay, so let's move on to some audio news. We've we've talked a lot recently about lossless audio. You know, Apple Music recently announced that they're going to start providing lossless audio. Title's been doing it for a few years now. Spotify is talking about doing it soon. But when Apple announced that they were going to start bringing it to to their service, the big thing that we or at least I made fun of them for, and so many other people in the media made fun of them for, is you can't listen to the the lossless audio quality with basically any of the Apple products. Like, none of the (laughs) Apple headphones even support it. And the main reason for that is because there hasn't been a way to do true lossless audio quality over Bluetooth. And... AirPods, AirPods Pro, AirPods Super Expensive Edition, whatever the giant $500 cans are called. (laughs) They're all just Bluetooth. So Qualcomm has worked on a solution to this. Qualcomm is the the maker designer of an audio codec called Aptex. If you're into Bluetooth audio at all, you've probably heard of Aptex. It's been around for, it's got to be like a dozen years at this point, and they've had various versions of it. Well, they've got a new version of it that does lossless audio streaming. They claim CD quality 16-bit, 44.1 kilohertz audio over Bluetooth. So that's pretty great. And mm-hmm. if uh, if your connection isn't good, it'll drop down in quality so that you won't get an interruption. You know, you'll still get to listen to the music, but if you can actually tell the difference in the audio, uh, you you might notice a little dip in the audio quality when it does that, but you'll still hear it the way that you've been able to hear things in the past. So that's all really good. The problem is it's still not available exactly just yet because this requires hardware to do it. So this new Aptex codec, it's available in all of the newer Qualcomm chips that are going into phones which is great if you're an Android user because pretty much, especially in North America and Europe, the vast majority of Android phones use Qualcomm's chips. Like Samsung doesn't even put their own chips in the phones they sell in the United States. So that's good. It doesn't help any of you iPhone users out there because Apple makes their own chip and probably isn't... Like you can guarantee that they're not going to have this codec this year. Maybe next. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that, but if this is brand new, maybe not. But Apple would be the one company that could probably find a way to make this work. But I don't know what their relationship is like with Qualcomm. The other thing you're going to need then is a set of headphones that supports this codec. And again, hardware. So 
Qualcomm says the first pair of headphones that will support it releases later this year. You know, but again, if you just bought those $500 Apple AirPods Max, is that what they're called? You should, you, you probably know. Is it Apple AirPods I honestly Max? don't remember what they're called because I have no interest in ever getting them. <laughs> right. And if Richard doesn't want your Apple product, you know <laughs> it was a bad choice. Well, it largely because they're ugly. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, you know, those headphones aren't going to support this. So it's going to require a new phone. It's going to require some new headphones. That's a lot to swallow, at least in the short term. But since this does take time to roll out, you know, maybe next year when you're looking for a new phone, your phone will support it. Maybe next year you're looking for a new pair of headphones. Maybe they'll support it. But it's probably not something that you're going to be rushing out this holiday season to buy all the new gear for. Maybe. But if there's only one set of headphones out there this fall that, that supports this, that that's not very great in terms of options. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I, I'm excited about this. I, I think it'll be great. Uh, I, I've talked in the past that I don't know that I can tell the difference uh, between, yeah. <laughs> right. So. Right. It's not something that I'm I'm going to go and splurge for. I'm sure my next phone will support it, but and and maybe my next pair of headphones will. I don't have immediate plans to buy any yet, but I don't know. It'll be cool once it's there. But for me, it also needs to come to Spotify too, because <laughs> I'm not going to Apple Music or Tidal. Yeah, and I mean, I'm worried that this is just going to make this all too complicated. That now there's this you know, super duper option available, but you have to have the hardware, you have to have the uh, device, you have to have the uh, the software included, or, or you have to have it supported in your service. It just, there's too much going on here. And unless this becomes ubiquitous, I just don't see how this is going to gain a whole lot of traction. Maybe there are enough young people with better ears than I have that really care about this, but really for the last 10 years or so, as people have just continued to complain about the audio quality of Bluetooth, say, like in a car for audio, I have never had a problem with it, ever. Like, I've never thought, wow, that sounds like crap. You know what I think sounds like crap? Sirius XM. (laughs) All the time. Good point. Good point. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to a little bit of gaming news. Last week was Gamescom, which, when you're not in the middle of the pandemic, is by far the largest video game conference in the world in terms of uh, people who can go to the event because it has always been an open to the public event and sees hundreds of thousands of people. But that's not the case this year. Thanks, COVID. So, Xbox did a live event. Well, was it live? It was probably pre-recorded. Uh, that wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't great. Like it was fairly well produced, but it was a little slow at times. And there were a lot of people that wondered why they made some of the content decisions that they made. For example, they didn't talk at all about Halo at all when they've got a Halo really? game coming out. Really? Really? That's... Wow. And the next night, 
Jeff Keeley, who we've talked about in the past, who hosts the video game awards and, and all of that, has a big thing for E3 and, and all of that. He had an event called uh, Gamescom Opening Night or something like that. And there was an Xbox trailer in that event. What? But you mean a Halo trailer? Yeah, sorry. A, a Halo trailer in Jeff Keeley's event, but not, but in, not in Microsoft's Xbox. Exactly. That makes absolutely no sense to me, unless they're like, yeah, we don't want to talk about it. We know we're having problems. Well, and that that could be part of it because they did uh, launch or they did announce the release date and it's not until December, which is awfully late for a video game. They normally try to get these out before Black Friday and they had previously announced the week before that. Yeah, it's launching, but it's not going to have Forge, which is their custom, you know, multiplayer like mode that allows you to make your own levels. And you're not going to be able to play the campaign in co-op until sometime next year. So despite the fact this game is already a year late, it's now a year and a month late and still doesn't have all of the features coming with it. I, I try not to jump on them too much because I would rather games be delayed and be better when they launch than to be rushed and buggy and suck. So it's fine, but just a lot of weird choices there, but there were two cool announcements from Microsoft during their own event. One was they've partnered with humble games who I didn't realize this, but they're actually owned by IGN. Uh, Humble games is a publisher. They also have their humble games site where you can buy games from them And they do these humble bundles where they'll bundle a whole bunch of games and stuff together and you can pay basically whatever you want. And the more you give, the the more games that you get in those bundles and a bunch of the money goes to charities that you can choose. It's super cool. It's a really great way of buying games. But over the last couple of years, they've been publishing games too. And now Humble Games are going to release day one on Xbox Game Pass. And that means Xbox consoles, PC, which is where most humble games are anyway, and uh, Xbox cloud game streaming. Day one, all of them available on Xbox. Super cool. Super cool. Nice. Yeah. It's nice to see more third-party publishers jumping into that model. So yeah, glad to see that. And then the other announcement that they made, this is one that we've been expecting for a while, but just weren't sure when they would actually make this announcement. Xbox Cloud Gaming is coming to Xbox One consoles and Xbox Series X and S consoles this holiday. Finally. Hallelujah. And some of you might be wondering, well, why the heck would I want to do that? I've got a super powerful Xbox there. Why would I want to stream games from the cloud? Two reasons. One of them, you don't have to download them. (laughs) If you want to play a game that's 125 gigabytes, You don't have to wait hours for it to download if you can just stream it. So that's a huge, huge reason. The other reason might be maybe you haven't been able to upgrade to the the Xbox Series X or S because they've been so difficult to get, but you'd really like to play Flight Sim or any of the other games that are starting to roll out that are only available on this, this new generation of consoles. Well, you can stream them on xCloud from any device, including your old Xbox One. 
So this is all coming this holiday. They're going to start testing it in the insider channels in September, I believe. So really soon. And uh, this, this is going to be awesome. Like, I, I think I'm going to use this a lot, actually. I've got friends who are very much into the Oh, the the Microsoft like the Bing Rewards ecosystem, and there's Xbox Rewards also that, that ties into that with lots of daily and weekly and monthly challenges. And a lot of times, the challenges are just like essentially play this game for 20 minutes, and you'll get some reward points. And those reward points can be used to like buy Xbox Live subscriptions and things like that. So. If you can complete all of those challenges by just streaming some games instead of having to download 50 gigabyte games, that's going to make things like that a whole, whole lot easier. Do you at all worry about the idea that if this is coming out around the end of the year, which I believe is when they're targeting, that means that the traffic it's going to see is probably around the time that, oh, I don't know, everybody starts playing their new game boxes. and this largely new service is going to get probably the heaviest traffic it would ever see from a, from an, a, an average usage perspective. That's a really good point. I mean, we're already used to seeing Xbox live and, and PlayStation network going down over the holidays. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, Christmas Day might be a real bad day for <laughs> for Xbox Live. Yikes! Yeah, it 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 seems. I mean, I I get that they want to make it available for the holidays, but this just man, I hope they have this really, really, really robust infrastructure in place here. Because this, the other thing is that this is basically their demonstration platform for Azure. Yeah, it for sure is. Yeah, yeah, you make a really great point. And some of you might be thinking, well, why why would Christmas Day be bad? Anybody who's getting a new console on Christmas Day is probably getting one of the, the new consoles. Yeah, they, they probably are. But if you're opening up your brand new Xbox on Christmas morning and you want to play Halo you probably don't want to wait eight hours for the game to download. <laughs> so yeah. that's why. Yeah, that that's a really great point. That's This could ruin Christmas for me, Richard. <laughs> oh, oh no. Okay, well, to quote one of my famous, or one of my uh, favorite newscasters, watch this space. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, that does it for our news tonight. Uh, we like to remind everybody that if you like this show, the best way that you can help support us right now is share the show with a friend. Just let somebody else know about it. You can go and leave us a review uh, in in iTunes and all the other places where you can get them. But despite what every other podcast you listen to says, that doesn't actually help. Um, all of them. Yeah. Even the really good ones. Even the really good ones say it really helps other people find us. No, it actually doesn't. You know what does? Telling people to go and subscribe. So go tell a friend about our show. We'd greatly appreciate that. So on with the the, the back section of the podcast here. One of my favorite sections. What's going on in your entertainment center, Richard, over the last, I don't know, six and a half months since we it's, last recorded? It's been literally four weeks. I am going to try and power through this. So I have been long awaiting 
the big upgrade from Synology for their operating system that runs the Synology boxes. And at long last, Synology OS, they call it DSM. I don't even know what that stands for. Version 7 has come out. It's been out for a while. I've been waiting for major plugin manufacturers like Plex and Channels and others to make sure that their apps were all compliant before I upgraded. I upgraded. Now, why do I care about this? Why is this Richard's Media Center? This is what hosts most of this stuff. This is where my Plex library is. This is where Channels runs. So this is my DVR. This is all of my video content that isn't a movie. I have my movies on a uh, on a uh, uh, what a Drobo still even today. But all of this, I'm figuring. Let's get the latest update. Let's see how it goes. Most importantly, from a software perspective, I wanted to check out the new photos experience because I still don't have a good solution for curating and managing my digital libraries of photos. And I am disappointed to report that the very long awaited and delayed Synology photos is not anywhere near as good as it needs to be to kind of take that role as the place where I keep my photos. So I'm very frustrated by that. Otherwise, the upgrade is good. And unless you have an app that isn't compatible, and I would encourage you to check with your app manufacturers before you make this jump, uh, it, it's solid and everything seems to be working for me. So I'm very happy about that. In terms of what I've been watching, so, so, so much because four weeks. Okay. So Ted Lasso, as always, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. This season is so good. I'm loving it. I binged the series Schmigadoon. I think this is and probably will only be a single season, but I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do a second series uh, uh, season on this or not. It was an Apple TV plus thing. It is a musical. So it's, it's like half hour episodes. I think there were six of them. And it's a musical series. Think like Music Man and Oklahoma, that caliber of stuff, even with all the cheesy sets and everything. People just break into song. The funny thing about this, and this isn't spoiling anything because this is the whole shtick, is that they don't really know they're doing it. Like, they're not aware <laughs> of it. It's just a part of their lives. That, that actually and, sounds a whole lot like my life. Like. <laughs> Your life sounds much more fun I mean, than mine, at least not me more singing. entertaining. It's not me doing anything because no one wants that. But man, my daughters, <laughs> my wife, like I, I regularly feel like I'm living in a musical, Richard. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, I've also been watching Big Brother, My Guilty Pleasure. It's been a good season. I really like how things are playing out this season. I will be following this closely and probably watching after we finish recording tonight. I finished season two of The Expanse, so I will be starting season three shortly. I am really, really liking the season. Um, I am really liking this series. I'm so glad people talked me into finally starting this because it is fantastic. It's really, really good. Wasn't what I expected, and that's a good thing. It it has. I, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Really like it. All right. We were watching Doctor Who for a long time. We finished Doctor Who season seven. And as I predicted, Edward refuses 
to watch the Peter Capaldi episodes. So we're kind of stalled on that right now. I don't know if I'm going to pick them up or on my own and then continue on after that or not. So we'll see where that goes. Now, because we weren't watching that, we decided that we would rewatch something else that we've really enjoyed. So we started rewatching Penny Dreadful. This is a Showtime series that mixes up all these Victorian horror stories into one tight woven web. I don't understand how it never won acting Emmys or anything, because I think the performances are just fantastic. It is very, very, very gory. So if you don't like that thing, that sort of thing, then don't watch this. But I thoroughly enjoy this. I think it's been really good. And I love I love revisiting these stories that I loved so much the first time. The final season of Grace and Frankie finally hit. I thought this was over, but it wasn't. They just took forever to get the last season out because COVID. And finally, they gave up and said, okay, we're putting the four episodes that we did record out. So those were available, and the rest of the season is not yet. Oh, my god! And we've already watched those, and we're just... How, how long have you been waiting for this? Because I feel like it's been forever since you've mentioned this show. Yeah, I, I honestly... I really thought it was over. They wrap up each season usually pretty cleanly. So it's not like I thought I was waiting for anything. It was a pleasant surprise when I found out that, oh, look at that. There's a season seven. That's awesome. (laughs) And it made sense that the reason that it didn't come out was because they had to interrupt their their, their recording. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad it's back and thoroughly enjoyed the episodes that were there. Been watching the usual news commentary stuff, including Real Time and Last Week Tonight. Watched this. I don't know if I talked about. No, I did talk about this last time. The World's Most Amazing Vacation Rentals. Watched a couple more episodes of that. Edward's not into it, but I'm enjoying it. So I've watched a few more. That has been renewed for a second season. So I'm I'm happy to see that. Watched most, but not yet all episodes of season one of she and the Princess of Power. I'm past the point that was supposed to get me. I'm past the point that was supposed to have me locked in. So I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, but I will commit to watching the rest of the season. How many more episodes? It's is just that? it's just not doing it for me. I, I I mean, yeah, there's like three more episodes, I think, and then the season. Uh, then I'll have gone all through season and one. These are probably half hour episodes. Yeah, it's even easier than that. They're 24 minute episodes. Okay. So it's a small commitment, at least. It is. It is. And I committed to doing it, so I'm going to do it. it. It's it's fine. They're nice. I'm just, it's not, I don't know. All right. I mentioned I was watching Hawaii Five O before, finished season nine of that. Lower Decks is back. Lower Decks is the animated kind of wisecracking Star Trek series on Paramount+. Plus. That started up again, and that's been really good. Watched a couple movies. We watched Jungle Cruise. I actually paid for the view it at home experience on Disney Plus the weekend that it came out. And we liked it. It was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm usually a fan of rock movies, the rock movies. So, you know, this was you got what you expected in this movie. And if you enjoy the Disney lore and the Jungle Cruise ride and some of the gags behind that, they're peppered throughout. So I i think this hits well. I would recommend watching it when it's available to watch for free if you don't want to pay for it. We also watched Doolittle, 
I don't remember what that's on. I think it's on the HBO Max service. That was the uh, the, the new telling of Doctor Doolittle. It was good. It was entertaining. We liked it. It wasn't as terrible as the ratings that it got. Is that one Johnny Depp? No. Uh, why can't I remember his name? I want to remember his name. <laughs> he played Sherlock Holmes. I don't remember his Robert Downey Jr. Oh, right. Right. Robert Downey Jr. And his character is very weird in this, but we liked it. And then we watched two movies that we've already seen. Battleship, which is eh, a weird alien fighting movie, but it, it it's fun. And Spirited Away, which is my absolute favorite Miyazaki movie. And so I think I'm saying that right. Um, it, it, I, I know this is a little bit scary for younger kids, but this is my absolute favorite of his films. So I was just, we just wanted something we knew that we liked to watch the other night. Also been reading, or I should say listening to some books. I had finished 1984. So why not finish one happy tale with an, uh, follow one happy tale with another. I then read animal farm. Uh, <laughs> and then I read or listened to the, I believe, 17 hours of I Alone Can Fix It, the story of Trump's last final year, as told by two reporters from the New York Times. That's really long and for that kind of book. There, so much happened last year. <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember 2020? I'm trying to forget it, actually. Thank you very much. <laughs> And, and I, it was it was good. I, I I enjoyed it. And then finally, I read or listened to, and this is a nice short listen, six and a half hours, I think. Tom Merritt's, I don't think it was his first book, but one of his first books, Pilot X. And it's great. I thoroughly, thoroughly liked this book. And if you've been on the fence as to whether you wanted to to read or listen to it, I... I encourage it. It was it was delightful. I had a great time listening to it. And that's it for content. The only other thing that I wanted to add is that I have a new entertainment device and it's called a a a, a Volvo. Whoa. And it comes with CarPlay. Now, I think we all know that I'm a fairly early adopter. I don't know how many years CarPlay has been out, but this is my first CarPlay vehicle. Yeah, I, I think you got your last car like right before CarPlay came out. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm happy to have CarPlay now. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I I guess as we transition into what's going on in my entertainment center, I uh, you know I'm an Android guy, and you can run Android Auto on your phone. So that's what I do. Like it's got a Bluetooth connection to my my car stereo and then I've just got my phone mounted there with Android Auto and it gives me the Android Auto experience. So yeah. not super distracting. Not for long. Uh, yeah, but not for long cuz they're taking the app away. <laughs> and yeah. uh like I guess somehow they're going to do this through Google Assistant and stuff, but I'm skeptical of how well that's going to I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But maybe I'll be in the market for a new car next year. I don't, I'm not holding my breath on that one. No. Yeah. So, anyway, so what I've been into uh, a few games. So, the NHL 22, that's the, the one that's coming out this year, they released their technical beta 
this week. I've only played one match so far. Surprisingly, it's actually different from the last few years. It probably should be. Uh, I haven't played enough to really make up my opinion, although it doesn't matter. I'm just going to buy it anyway because all of my friends are going to buy it. So that's the one that we're all going to play. So, yeah. Uh, another game that I had been playing some, although I shouldn't say had because I do plan to continue playing it, is a new game on Game Pass called 12 Minutes. This is a really interesting game, Richard. Uh, I, I know you're not a big gamer, but way back in like the 90s, did you ever play any of the like point and click adventure games like Maniac Mansion or Monkey Island or any of those types of no. games? Okay. No. So this is kind of a modern take on a point and click story ish adventure game where the entire game takes place inside of a very, very tiny apartment. And it's basically a time loop game. Like, this isn't really spoiling anything. It is a 12 minute time loop. And you come home from work, your wife says hi, and she's got some news for you, and all that sort of stuff. And then a few minutes later, you get a knock on the door and it's a guy claiming to be the police and uh, claiming to arrest your wife for murdering her father. And there are many, many ways that this time loop ends and you have to start over again and try to figure out what exactly is going on. And it's a really cool setup. It's a really cool story. Uh, it's not like anything I've played in 20 years because I gave up on point and click adventures in the 90s, <laughs> but it's it's a pretty cool game and it's free on Game Pass. So definitely one to check out there. Another one that I checked out for one night with some of my friends is a game called Splitgate. Anybody who's a gamer has probably heard about it at this point. It is, and this is from their own marketing, it is basically Halo and Portal together in one game. It's it's the Halo multiplayer with the ability to make portals that you can warp between. It's pretty good. Like I actually had a lot of fun with it, more fun than I expected because I don't really like Halo's multiplayer, but I had fun that night. Uh so that's and that's another free to play game right now. So another one that even if you don't have Game Pass, like this is just a straight up free to play game. So you can go and check that out for isn't this like the new hotness? It is a pretty hot game right now. Yeah, for sure. And then another game that I checked out was, well, not checked out, got to revisit that this year is the 25 year anniversary of Quake being released, which makes me feel so, so old. <laughs> but I loved Quake and and really Quake 2 a ton when I was a teenager, when those games were out. And uh, to celebrate the 25th anniversary, they are re-releasing like basically remasters of the first three Quake games. And the first one is on Xbox and it's part of Game Pass because Microsoft bought Bethesda and, and Xenoworks. So they own the studio now. And so in Game Pass, you can go and download this basically sort of re like remaster is probably giving it more credit than it really deserves. It looks better and it plays well on an Xbox, um, but it's it's fun. It's got co-op, which I don't think the original PC game had, 
wasn't really much of a thing back then. So yeah, you can do four player co-op through Quake. It's it's every bit as good as I remember. And that's not usually how it works out when you play an old game. You're normally like, oh, this I remember this being so much better than it is. <laughs> but but Quake actually holds up. So uh, even if you just want to play for a night, go and download that on Game Pass. Also, in terms of watching things, I haven't really watched much. But the the other night, uh, I don't even remember what I was doing. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna sit on the couch and turn the TV on. And and so I I fired up Plex and was looking through some of their their free stuff. And longtime listeners of this show know that I'm not a very big fan of these services that provide free ad-supported streaming because it's usually not movies or shows that I even want to watch. But I was there and saw that they had some of all fears, which I love all of those Tom Clancy movies and stuff, even though I, I don't I don't know if you know this, Richard, but like the Rotten Tomato scores and stuff, that it didn't get good scores. I thought that all of those movies back then got great reviews, but maybe not. Well yeah, A, Ben Affleck doesn't get any respect, and B, I don't know what you thought of this movie, but I didn't particularly like it. Mm. I I liked it a lot, but and before the other night, I haven't watched it in, I don't know, at least 10 or 15 years probably, and I didn't finish it because it was already late, so I didn't stay up to watch it all, but I, I just kind of wanted to check out how, how Plex works with, with some of that with some of their free streaming stuff. And the ad situation wasn't awful. You know, we, we've talked about some of the cool. other services where it's like, you're going to watch the same ad four times in a row in one yeah. commercial break. <laughs> right. <laughs> that that right. wasn't the case here. Um, I think that the first ads I saw were 10 minutes in, and maybe it was three 30 second ads. And then 10 minutes later, there were maybe four 30 second ads. They were all different. And I think it was another 20 minutes or so before I got a, another set of ads. So it really wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that different from yeah. what you'd get on TV. And this kind of got me thinking that this service, I think maybe I've been thinking about these types of services all wrong. Because really what it is, is the exact same scenario you would get if you opened up your cable box and we're just flipping through the cable channels that regularly show movies. And you would see a movie yeah. that would be like, I really like some of all fears. It's on right now. I guess I'll watch it. Yep. It's that. I don't know why I never put these two things together. That's what this is, except I can start the movie at the beginning instead of joining it right. 45 minutes in progress. Oh, which is always the case. You never catch it at the beginning. Right. right. So... I'm starting to give these types of services a second thought and a second chance. Now, yeah, I think they're implemented well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, th there's still the issue of do they have good content or not? And a lot of times they don't. But th there were at least a few movies that uh, I looked at that and thought, yeah, I, I would watch that. So maybe I'll tone it down a little bit when it comes to these ad supported streaming services. But it all does depend on how well the ads are implemented and, of course, the quality of the library. All right. So that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center and for the bulk of the show. But we do have a little bit of an announcement here at the end. But before I get to that, 
If you want to get a hold of us, there's a bunch of ways to do that. Richard is surprised at me saying that, but he should know. So if you want to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, and at DigiMediaZone. And there's email and, and all of the other ways. Go over to the website, thedigitalmediazone.com to get all of the show notes for tonight's show, to find all the rest of our contact info. And very soon, here's here's where the announcement comes in. Hey, Richard, what's going on with Home On? What's Home On? <laughs> I haven't talked about Home On for months. And a lot of it's just that this this year just got away from me. It's been a crazy year with so many things going on, uh, too many clients, too much going on in terms of like buying a new home, refinancing our existing home, buying a new car, uh, product launches, just everything keeping me crazy busy. But I am happy to report that this week, recording a new episode of Home On, and I'll have an iOS developer that I've wanted to talk to for a very long time, Matt Corey, on the show. And I've talked about Matt a couple times on Home On because he has come up in the past with some of the best automations to set up in HomeKit so that you could create your own circadian rhythm lighting settings on your HomeKit lights. And he has a new app out that will allow you to use lights through HomeKit across multiple different vendors and do all kinds of different cool stuff with them all grouped together. Very cool. I'm excited to talk about this. He'll be joining me on this episode, and I hope to have it out in a week or so. Awesome. I cannot wait to listen to it. Okay. Well, if you would like to join us when we are actually recording this show, you can do it. You can do that because we record this live and we use Twitch to stream it. So there's a chat room. You can ask questions. You can add your own commentary to the things that we're talking about. It's a lot of fun and we love having you around to join us. We normally record Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Sometimes that date changes, so follow us on Twitter, and we tweet about when we're going to be recording. Also, once you get over there, just hit the subscribe button, and then Twitch will notify you also. So that is going to do it for episode 563. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.